Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Barely Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Dobius, as usual, here bringing you the Week 5 recap for the 2021 season. Uh, If you have listened to this before, it's going to be the same thing that I do every week in the recap episodes. If you are new, uh, thank you for listening, by the way. If you're new here, uh, make sure to click that subscribe button, follow us, all that fun stuff. Uh, But what I usually do is I'm going to go over the notable injuries that occurred during Week 5. Uh, week five's games, uh, mostly all these Sunday matchups that happen, Thursday and Sunday games. And then I'm going to go over my top waiver signings in each position. Uh, there's a couple of them in each position that I'll talk about. And then I'm going to end the episode with a segment called Things We Learned. It's just five takeaways that I got uh, from this last week of football. So let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about the notable injuries. Let's start out with the uh, the Sunday night game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, unfortunately suffered an MCL sprain. He is going to be missing a few weeks. That means that Daryl Williams, not to be confused with Damian Williams, I say not to be confused with because I confuse him all the time, Daryl Williams, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, will be the next in line for that starting role for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, make sure you pick up the right one, even though both Damian and Daryl are pretty good signings for this week. Uh, Daryl Williams will be taking over as the RB1 for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's also Jarek McKinnon, uh, but just based on what I saw last week, Williams will be the starting running back at least for a few weeks until Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes back. So I expect a uh, three to four weeks for Clyde at least. So uh, very unfortunate, but... You know, we'll uh, we'll keep you updated in later episodes on this injury. Uh, speaking of very unfortunate, let's talk about the Giants. We got three big names in here. Saquon Barkley, he suffered a left ankle sprain. He will most likely miss week six. That means Devontae Booker will be the starting running back for the New York Giants. Another good waiver signing there. Pick up Devontae Booker. He looked good last week uh, against the Dallas Cowboys once Barkley went down. So a uh, very, very unfortunate injury there just because he he finally came back from his injury and he was just reaching his uh his his form that we uh expected to see from him and then he gets injured again uh Kenny Galladay is the next player on the New York Giants he will miss week six with a knee injury they already declared him out for this next week which is very concerning but they are hopeful that week six will be the only week that Kenny Galladay will be out for uh so that just opens up more room for Sterling Shepard, if he comes back, Kadarius Tony, especially, who I'll be talking about later in this episode, uh, and maybe Darius Slayton for some uh, more targets, if, again, if they're all healthy, because who knows what's going on with the New York Giants nowadays. I mean, I don't know. It's something in the water. Everyone's getting injured. So, uh, not done with the Giants yet. Daniel Jones, starting quarterback, he suffered a concussion last Sunday. He's going to be questionable for week six. Again, we'll let you know later on. This week in the preview episodes for week six uh, and in the injury updates that come out every Saturday where I let you know every single injury uh, for notable fantasy relevant players. We'll let you know on uh, Dana Jones's situation in each of those episodes uh, to help you with your fantasy team. So Daniel Jones, uh, it's best to prepare for the worst. So if you are a Daniel Jones owner and you do not have uh, a backup quarterback, I might have an option for you later on in the uh, waiver signing segment. So, two more injuries to talk about here. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's going to be out for the season with a 
uh, shoulder injury. So that is very unfortunate there. He's getting surgery done that is going to keep him out for the rest of the season. Uh, so that means it's very unfortunate for Juju because it's kind of contract year. He's going to be gone after this uh, season, and that just brings his value, his stock down. Uh, but that means Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool especially, uh, has a boost in value. So they should probably be starters until proven otherwise. Damian Harris, he has uh, he's ruled as a day-to-day um, injury. He's most likely actually going to play week six. He suffered an injury late last game. Uh, but, you know, he, it's day-to-day. He's most likely going to play in uh, this next week. And again, we'll keep you updated in the injury update and even before that in the preview episodes coming out in a couple of days. Let's jump into the waiver signing segment. I got only one quarterback for you because honestly, the quarterback options are pretty slim. Uh, Matt Ryan for the Atlanta Falcons. I know it's not it's not great, but like I said, very slim. There's injuries to Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson. Uh, so there is a need for backup quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, he's coming off of two solid games. He's scored no less than 21 points in the last two weeks. He also has a combined six touchdowns in the last three games with zero interceptions. That's a great ratio there. That's three touchdowns per game, no pick. Um, yeah, with a lot of injured and underperforming quarterbacks, uh, we turn to our 14th favorite quarterback in Matty Ice. Nobody's favorite, but he gets the job done. It's like a green mill. Uh, I don't know if a green mill is is regional, uh, just from where I'm from, but it's a restaurant that you just, it's never, it's not your first, second, third, or fourth choice to go to, to you know, if you're looking for a restaurant, but. If every, every place is just packed, you know, a Friday night, you can just rely on Green Mill to have serviceable food and just kind of, uh, I guess you're fine with it. You're not happy, but you're not sad. So that's Matt Ryan for the Atlanta Falcons. He's all right, but he's a he's a safe option uh, for a backup quarterback, especially if you're if you're Daniel Jones or Russell Wilson owner. Um, I can definitely let you know about more riskier players uh i'll be talking about them later in the preview episode uh but if you can't wait that long you can dm us instagram is barely uh at barely underscore athletic tiktok and youtube is at barely athletic so if you got some questions we'll be happy to ask or answer uh let's move on to the running backs got three of them here first player is aj dylan for the green bay packers so dylan outscored the packers starting running back uh aaron jones in the last two weeks So Dylan also had at least 75 total yards in the last two games. He's coming off of a great receiving game as well. Uh, Head coach Matt LaFleur says he wished he had gotten A.J. Dylan more than 12 touches last game. Uh, That implies that A.J. Dylan has a role in this offense, and it could even be expanding in the near future. Uh, Very, very solid performance out of A.J. Dylan this last week, and he's owned in less than 50% of leagues. I guess every player on this list is otherwise. What's the point of putting him on this list? So pick up A.J. Dillon. Not only is he a very good handcuff, but he actually has uh, opportunity to score some fantasy points even when he's not the starter for the team. So good signing there. Uh, Speaking of starters for the team, let's talk about Daryl Williams. I talked about him earlier this episode for the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire expected to miss multiple weeks with an MCL sprain. Williams is the next in line for that starting running back role in Kansas City. So this is purely an opportunity-based signing. Uh, that should be in your starting lineup until Clyde Edwards Lair returns. Um, or until if Jarek McKinnon all of a sudden just 
takes a big leap forward, which I don't expect him to. Daryl Williams is the expected starter, uh, and he proved that last game. So, yeah, go with Daryl Williams. I think he's a good signing. He's going to be one of the harder players to get on the waiver uh, just because it's it's big news for Clyde. Um, let's move on to another running back, the final running back on this list that has opportunity based off of an injury to the starting uh, running back on the team. That is Khalil Herbert for the Chicago Bears. So Dave Montgomery got injured last week during week four. Uh, he's still expected to miss a couple more weeks, even though Damian Williams ended this week with more fantasy points. Khalil Herbert actually led the Chicago Bears in carries and rushing yards. Herbert also had uh, a red zone opportunity. Couldn't capitalize on it, but if he scored that touchdown, Herbert would have been the best running back for the Bears. So, uh, yeah, even though he didn't score that touchdown, his involvement that he received is very promising. So he's going to be a fringe starter, really, until uh, David Montgomery makes his return. If you're struggling on running backs, uh, Khalil Herbert's kind of a, a sneaky play because he did get more opportunity than Damian Williams which most people expected to be the RB1. Uh, but Khalil Herbert actually is when you look at the stats. He just didn't get that touchdown, uh, but he still scored almost 10 points. So Khalil Herbert, very good signing. Let's move on to the wide receivers. We're going to start out. I got three of them here. Start out with Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver for the New York Giants. Uh, the last two weeks really helped Tony prove why he was a first-round pick. He averaged 11 targets, 8 receptions, 134 yards in the last two games. That is his average. He actually scored like 186 uh, during last week's game against the Dallas Cowboys. He is taking full advantage of the opportunity that he's been given uh, while the Giants are struggling to find a healthy wide receiver. Uh, I say healthy wide receiver, but I should really change that to healthy team. Uh, so as long as Kadarius Tony stays healthy, he should be very involved. Uh, the Giants do have some tougher matchups coming up. But with Galladay already announced out for week six, I think Tony is going to be set for another explosive week. Uh, that is, as long as he doesn't punch anybody else, uh, then he should be fine. So it seems like he avoided suspension or is going to avoid suspension. I'll let you know if he uh, if anything changes in the preview episode for week six. But if if Tony, uh, listen, if you're listening, Kadarius, Tony, just keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> I need you, man. I need you. I'm struggling with my wide receivers in uh, in fantasy. I re- I'm really relying on Tony to be uh, to be good. So yeah, as long as he doesn't punch anybody else, he should be a great, very great signing. Again, he's going to be probably the the number one pickup this week. Uh, so if you're in a a, a league where you have to spend budget, uh, prepare to spend a lot for him. I, I couldn't tell you what the correct amount is, as multiple leagues have different budgets and. Everybody's dealing with a different situation with a, a you know different amount of money that they have remaining. So, um, yeah, but but it, I expect Tony to be um, targeted a lot on the waiver wire. Uh, Tim Patrick for the Denver Broncos is the next receiver I'm talking about. This is a second appearance on this list. I think it was in week threes, I want to say. Um, but yeah, he, he once again proved that he's being overlooked by fantasy owners. He's only owned in 30% of fantasy leagues. That's redraft, uh, but he's currently the 29th best wide receiver this season. He's averaging over 12 points per game, uh, and he proved last game that even in a difficult matchup with a quarterback who just came off of concussion protocol, he still can score a solid amount of fantasy points each week, so he's a very solid flex option that's only owned in less than a, a third of leagues. So pick him up. 
let's talk about a guy who's only owned in like 4% of fantasy leagues. That's Amon Ross St. Brown. Great name for the Detroit Lions. St. Brown, he's actually currently leading the Detroit Lions in targets and receptions. He's also coming off of two 13-plus point games. Quintez Cephas, I didn't put him in the notable injuries just because he wasn't, he's not that fantasy relevant, but Quintez Cephas, the current technically, quote, wide receiver one for the Detroit Lions, uh, he will most likely miss the rest of the season with a broken collarbone. So this is creating a lot of opportunity for Amon Ross St. Brown because there really isn't any other receiver uh, in Detroit. So um, as a Vikings fan, I watched Amon Ross St. Brown last game. I was impressed by him. Uh, I think that he has huge upside. I've thought that before the season even started. You can look at the fantasy predictions when I did bold, bold, or boldest. I said Amon Ross St. Brown can finish as a top 15 as my boldest prediction. So uh, the potential is there. The opportunity is now there. Uh, and he's the, the talent is there because he's proved it in the last two games. Again, over 13 points in the last two games. So, um, yeah, Jared Goff has got to throw to somebody. Why not Amon Ross St. Brown? Plus, you got a cool name, so pick him anyway. Uh, finally, let's move on to the tight ends. I only got one here. Uh, this is no, no Dawson Knox anymore. He's been taken in too many leagues. But, uh, yeah, Hunter Henry for the New England Patriots is my only tight end on the waiver signing list. Uh, he's currently the tight end eight for this season, and he he's had multiple double-digit points. Uh, I, I think in the last two weeks, he's, he's had double-digit points, so that's very good there. Uh, it seems that Hunter Henry, he's being involved more and more in each week. Uh, and and he, I feel like he has finally emerged as the tight end one for the Patriots. I was avoiding the Patriots tight end situation until one emerged uh, above the other. And I I think I can comfortably say that Henry has done that. Um, and, and that's why he's on this list as a, as a top tight end assigned. Because a, a good tight end is really hard to come by. Uh, especially when you're looking at the waiver wire because they're so risky. There's, there's, you know, it's either touchdown or bust, but Hunter Henry's kind of different. He, he might not have the upside of like a Travis Kelsey or, a, or even a Mike Gesicki, but like his floor is much higher than most tight ends in this league. So uh, even though, yeah, he doesn't have the upside of, of Kelsey, I feel like he has the floor of Kelsey, which is six, seven points uh, at worst. So. That's very hard to come by in this league uh, in fantasy football. Hunter Henry, very good option there. Let's move on to the final segment. That is things we learned. I got, I got five takeaways from week five. Uh, the first thing is Dallas might have the best offense in football. Listen to these stats. 515 total yards of offense. 26 first downs. Uh, Dallas... They were only two for five in the red zone, however. So this score could have even been more lopsided if, if Dallas actually could convert in the red zone. The game ended 44-20, to 20, Dallas Cowboys' victory over the New York Giants, uh, but it, it could have easily been 60-20. to 20. So, yeah, very. Uh, it could have been even more lopsided there. I mean, the, the Cowboys had an amazing performance. I mean, Dak Prescott did okay. 302 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. But uh, listen to this. Ezekiel Elliott, 21 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. That's amazing. Tony Pollard, 14 carries, 75 yards. That's amazing for Pollard's standards. You could have started both of them this week in fantasy and would have been very happy about it. 
That's not all, though. We get into the receiving game. C.D. Lamb, four receptions, 84 yards and a touchdown. Amari Cooper, three receptions, 60 yards and a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott got a receiving touchdown as well. Two yards. Like, this is a terrifying offense. It really is. It might be the best offense in the NFL. I say that because the only other competition is the Arizona Cardinals, who are currently 5-0, and the only undefeated team left in the NFL. I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't it be great if the Dallas Cowboys can play the Arizona Cardinals, battle it out, figure out who has the best offense? Well, lucky for you, they do in Week 17. So it's going to be a while, but uh, <laughs> hopefully they can keep performing like they're performing. Hopefully there are no bad injuries because I, a Week 17 matchup when playoffs are on the line, Dallas Cowboys versus Arizona Cardinals, it might be the most exciting game of the year because they both have terrible terrible defenses and some of the best offenses in the league so uh yeah if if you asked me to pick one though which offense is better i would probably go dallas i think dallas just has uh well i think the cardinals have the best offensive players i think kyler murray has the edge over mark cooper or, or sorry over Dak prescott i think deandre hopkins has the edge over mark cooper but if we're talking Overall offense, I think that there are more top players on the Dallas offense than the Arizona Cardinals. I have more faith in the run game for Dallas. I have more faith in the entire receiving core that C.D. Lamb, Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup when he comes back over Christian Kirk as the wide receiver too and A.J. Green. Uh, Even though Rondo Moore, love his potential, but yeah, I I just trust the Dallas offense a, a little bit better. But Super fun uh, out of Dallas. So um, next takeaway, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they still have playoff potential. They still have potential of, I guess, not only making the playoffs, but like they could make a run. They could make a run in the playoffs. They're in their division is very difficult now with the Cleveland Browns, with the Baltimore Ravens, and even the Cincinnati Bengals performing really well the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently two and three they're just coming off of a victory over the Denver Broncos a 27 to 19 victory and I I can't say that I was like super impressed for the Pittsburgh Steelers but if they perform the way that they performed last Sunday I think that they have a chance of winning more games than not I think they have a good chance of making the playoffs uh even in this difficult division Big Ben 250 plus passing yards two TDs Chase Claypool, five receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, two receptions, 72 yards and a touchdown. One of them, a 50-yard bomber from Big Ben to Deontay Johnson. Uh, That was the opening drive. That's actually the second time in a row that that's happened. So a little fun fact there. But the best part of the Steelers' offense, and I think the key factor without this player, the Steelers' offense would be struggling. That is Najee Harris. 23 carries for 122 rushing yards and a touchdown. I truly believe without Najee Harris, there will be no balance in this offense and they would crumble. So Najee Harris is the key to this entire team. And without them, I would be writing their season off right now. Najee Harris is so talented and he's so fun to watch. Um, Yeah, and, and they give... Not only me, but they give the entire Steelers fan base hope for making the playoffs. So 
<clears throat> uh, next up, a couple more here. Let's talk about the Houston Texans. I wrote down, and I quote, the Texans aren't completely garbage. I put that down because, I mean, they're one and four. I thought they were, I, I thought they were the, uh, there was a good chance that they can be the first team ever to go 0-17. Uh, that was a bold take for mine in the season predictions. Make sure to listen to that episode a long time ago. That's, uh, that was really fun before the season started. Yeah, I didn't expect that week one win, and I didn't expect them to stay in it uh, against the New England Patriots. I know that the Patriots are, they have a lot of um, different pieces in this offense and different pieces in this defense. So they, their expectations were lower than, I guess the lowest it's ever been in the last, I don't know, forever, since 1999 with Tom Brady. Like, the Texans staying in it were really impressive. Honestly, really, I was very impressed. Uh, Davis Mills, let's talk about him. He had such a good day. 21 for 29, completions, two attempts. 312 passing yards, three touchdowns for a quarterback rating of 141.7. Now, last week when I was talking about Trey Lance as a uh, high-risk, high-reward start, I talked about Trey Lance having the best performance out of a rookie quarterback this season. Well, that is no longer true. That belongs to the third-rounder Davis Mills, the giraffe the man with the longest neck in NFL history, finishing with 24.68 fantasy points. He looked great. He really did. He looked great. The Texans' run game sucks. Uh, they need to f- figure something out. I don't know, trade for Marlon Mack, do something, because Mark Ingram is not doing it. Philip Lindsay's not doing it. And Dave Johnson's not doing it. So they got to figure something out there. Uh, but. Yeah, Davis Mills kind of pulled a, a Justin Herbert making these random receivers look like top fantasy options. For example, Chris Moore. Who? Yeah, I know, right? Chris Moore. Five receptions, 109 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Chris Conley. You recognize the name, but he's never been a top fantasy option or fantasy option at all for that matter. Three receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown. I don't know how he did it. I don't understand. And they almost won, but Davis Mills had one of the best rookie performances this season. So, definitely for the week, but for, even for the entire season, Davis Mills looked excellent. So, hopefully that brings some confidence because I, I, I would love if every NFL team is competitive. So, Davis Mills, I mean, the Texans have little bits and pieces of good things. Maybe all they need is, in my opinion, trade Deshaun Watson. I know that the Eagles are still uh, looking into it and the Texans just have too high of an asking price. If you lower that down and you, you're not playing Deshaun Watson anyway, it might be best to just get him off your hands. If you trade Deshaun Watson for either first, a couple first-rounders or some playmakers, offensive playmakers, or both, yeah, that, that could be worth it. That can give you... Uh, give you some better options on, on both both offensively and defensively. So that's what I'd do if I'm the Houston Texans. I know it's more complicated than that, but yeah. Basically, Texans, they have potential. 
the team, the the one team that I thought didn't have any going into this season. Uh, next, second to last here, I wrote tough competition for the AFC title. Yeah, the uh, I couldn't tell you if you asked me what who who's the best team in the AFC. I no shot. No shot I could tell you with confidence. I wouldn't tell you with confidence because I'm not confident in who's going to be the best. If you asked me best team in the NFC, yeah, I could probably say Buccaneers. I have more confidence in the Bucs than, than any team in the NFC. But AFC, I mean, what do you got? The Bills coming off a great victory against the Chiefs who are currently bottom in their division. Chiefs two and three. You can't rule out the Chiefs, though, because it's Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey were all arguably the number one in their position. I say arguably because that would, if I didn't say arguably, that would uh, contradict my, my last point here. Uh, but you, you still have the Browns. I mean, we saw last week the, the Chargers versus the Browns. Chargers barely pulled through. I don't know. Any other day, maybe the Browns win. It was an amazing, amazing game, and both teams prove that they are elite. So you have the Bills, the Chargers, the Browns, the Chiefs, the Ravens are still in it. They're number one in their division. The Steelers, like I said, still have potential. Even the Titans, even the struggling Tennessee Titans. No, okay, not the Titans. I take that back. It's just Derrick Henry. But... If they figure things out on in the passing game, and if their defense steps it up, yeah, there's even more competition. So uh, this is just something to watch over the next uh, next couple of weeks and how these top teams are performing. For example, next week, Chargers versus Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a very good game. That's going to be an amazing game. Browns versus Cardinals. That's a big test for the Cleveland Browns, especially their defense. Bills versus Titans. Like, there are Chiefs, Washington football team. Like, it's, they all have very difficult matchups this next week. And I think that that could separate the boys from the men here. That can really just, just, hopefully we could, uh, no, you know what, I, I just hope they all do. I, I really hope they all had uh, have good performances because I, I love that there's not a standout favorite for the AFC title. And finally, I put in Devontae Adams, still the number one receiver. Um, yeah, my statement about Tyreek Hill being arguably the number one receiver, I, I, I don't believe so. I still believe that that's Devontae Adams. So the Packers last week against Cincinnati Bengals in a game that was amazing, by the way. I think that was a very underrated game this week. Um, I, I think it was. I, I think that the offensive performances out of Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase was overlooked by Mason Crosby's uh, three missed field goals. Uh, yeah. Anyway, listen. The Packers four hundred and sixty six offensive yards. Devonte Adams had two hundred and six of those. That's almost half. That's crazy. He had sixteen targets, eleven receptions. And a receiving touchdown. Unbelievable. Including a... Uh, okay, he averaged a 18.7 yards per catch. Oh, he had a big 59-yard reception there. Even when the Bengals were like, all right, they're targeting Devontae Adams. Let's double cover him. Still somehow got the pass off. Still somehow caught the ball. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, it, it was... I, I also need to give an honorable mention to Jamar Chase. 
that Burrow Chase connection is amazing. Um, that 70 yard touchdown pass to Jamar Chase was just crazy. Just crazy. And that kept him in it. So, yeah, but very impressive out of uh, Devontae Adams. And maybe we see, uh, maybe we saw a little bit of uh, Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase. So, very awesome out of that. Uh, that is all I got for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the week five recap for the 2021 season. Again, Later this week, we have the week six preview for the AFC and NFC home games. I'll be going over who to start, who to sit in each game for this next week, as well as the Saturday injury updates. So make sure to uh, to stay tuned. Make sure to check those out when it uh, when they get released. So um, if you do want to see a written format of the top waiver signings, if you want to see the full list, it will be posted on our website probably by the time that you're listening to this episode. So make sure to go check it out at www.barelyathletic.com. Uh, you can check it out there. Again, make sure to follow us on social media. Instagram is at barely underscore athletic. TikTok and YouTube is at barely athletic. Please give us a follow. Give us a like. Comment what you want to see next. Let us know if you have any questions. You can, you can hit us up in the DMs. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.